0: From our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle.
1: When most comedians or actors start to get famous in the Bay Area, they go to Los Angeles or New York. But W. Kamau Bell, recording his third season of United Shades of America for CNN, has managed to build his career as a podcaster, comic, and TV host while continuing to live in Berkeley. I wrote a profile of him in 2017 that focused on that decision not to move. Bell is about to appear on the first playlist, an Oakland symphony series that will feature classical music versions of his favorite songs. Here's Bell talking about one of his favorite bands, Living Color.
0: But yeah, that was the album that really changed my musical life and my you know, the me sitting here right now doing the work I do comes through that album. Like that album was like basically like in the middle of rap music exploding. And sort of telling people, sort of for reasons, going, this is how black people feel in this country. And I was like, sort of, kind of, but that is not really me. Living Color came out, like, this is how we are black and feel in this country. It's like, oh, yeah, that's more me. Like, yeah. so for me, this is a, this band is in my DNA. And um...
1: We also got to talk a little about his first years as a comic in San Francisco starting in the 1990s. I think his story is instructive for anyone who's struggling to do something they love. I think it's also extremely cool that he hasn't forgotten his roots. I was worried someone might ask us to pay for an Uber to get Bell to the Chronicle from Berkeley and then he took Bart to our podcast studio. I'm Peter Hartlob, and this is The Big Event. Welcome to The Big Event, Kamau Bell. Welcome to The Chronicle.
0: Thanks. Thanks for having me. You've
1: you've been here before?
0: I once before, about a, I think a year or so ago. Once I got back into town, I, w- I think I came in uh, to kick the tires as I tried to figure out what my career was going to be.
1: <laughs> so you came, I want to start by just giving you some credit here, because you came from Berkeley, and mm-hmm. um, you took BART here. Sure did. Now, you're at a car service point in your career. <laughs>
0: um, Mostly because I don't have a driver's license, so yes. I, I, I,
1: I kind of did the math. The point that you arrived in San Francisco to the bell curve mm-hmm. becoming a big success and take that point to now, you struggled longer than you <laughs> yeah, were a success. That's
0: why I'm much I'm still in my head the struggling guy. I mean, yeah. you know, which I think is probably healthy, uh, you know, but I still, you know, because I'm still struggling with things I'm doing now, despite the fact that people go, oh, whatever, whatever people think, you know. You know, the f- we won an Emmy, which was amazing, but now we have to make another season of the show. <laughs> you yeah. know, so it's like, and I'm still struggling with how do I be a better executive producer? How do I be a better host on camera? How do I, how do I get my vision executed better through the through the showbiz, through like the the, so the the working machinations of show business? Yeah. So I'm still, you know, my wife would let you know I'm still defined. my every day. I'm like, oh God, how, oh, <laughs> you know, so that that hasn't changed at all.
1: Um, we're going to talk about playlist, mm-hmm. which sounds like the most awesome opportunity that could come your way it it's a uh, oakland like, symphony um with jazz mafia they're basically it looks like you just gave them a lot of your favorite songs and they're going to turn them into symphonic works and yes. probably pay you i mean that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah no, they, no,
0: it's, it, that's exactly what's happening i mean i i i appreciate it it's certainly it's certainly something that uh you know that I that I would have done if they had just said go into that room. They're doing that over there. And what? Okay, they've already got your favorite songs. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a gift. It's it's for the work I've had to do for it. I this will be the easiest thing I probably do all year by far.
1: So I we're gonna go through like band by band because you you chose a bunch of um, songs and they're really unexpected, maybe not if people know you, mm-hmm. if they read your yeah. uh, if they read your book, yes. Awkward Thoughts of, of
0: W. Kamau Bell, yeah. They, there's some, it I will not some be th- as much of a surprise, but <laughs> there's some
1: surprises in there. Um, before that, though, just to kind of put it in context, that f- you're at this point where a symphony will create works of your songs. I want to go back to the beginning, mm-hmm. and it's something that I, I wrote a profile of you last year, and it's a part that I kind of left out and I wanted to revisit, which mm-hmm. is Sort of those first few years. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> you you told me you were not the guy that you were not the Eddie Murphy. You were not the guy that everybody no. said that guy's going to be famous. No, as
0: I was like the I was like the uh, the NBA the guys who don't get drafted then have to walk onto teams and go to summer league. I was a summer league player for for way longer than I should have been. Basically,
1: what what, what year did you come out here
0: and kind of what was your? I came you out know, here in like some, like June of ninety seven yeah uh so if you if we go back to the bell curve the bell curve didn't start until 2007 so that was ten years of sort of just like like I was getting on and I was getting work I started getting work probably a year or two into being here but and so I you know I was a working comedian but I was not making all of my money from being a comedian so uh but you know that doesn't mean that doesn't really mean anything it just means what it means to you you know a lot of comedians don't want to go on the road so. But yeah, I was, you know, I, was, I had a peer group and I was in, I was felt solid within my peer group, but I wasn't one of the people who people like that guy's going to be, he's going to be something. I, my friends, my, my peer group thought I was funny. We all thought each other were funny. We all helped each other, but, uh, you know, but then other people class, like the class behind me started and they all sort of sprung past us very quickly. Cause I think we, the, the issue was, I mean, we're, this is also, we're going to, I'm not taking all the blame. We started a, after the boom. Yeah. So the business of comedy was broken and we started before the internet. So there was no like there was the DIY thing wasn't as easy to DIY.
1: So you came in, you know, Pat Oswalt was here, Mark Marin were they here. Had all, they I, had all gone.
0: I, I I feel like I came here just as that ship had left. Like I heard all these st- stories of Pat Oswalt, Vernon Chapman, uh, you know, Mark Marin, Janine Garofalo, Dana Gould. Like they were all be they would all visit and people go, Look, they were once here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh you know, when I was here, Arge Barker was still around, but he was touring a lot. Like, the comics, we were like, that, that comic, he's the, the, the kings of the scene, the kings and queens of the scenes, I would say, is, like, Arge was around. Robert Hawkins, who doesn't get enough credit, uh, was, was one of the kings of the scene, you know, like, we're talking about comics who are still, like, like Clark Taylor, uh, David Alan Moss. Like, these are, you know, comics who also are, were maybe stuck in that middle place.
1: And then you said the next group came in. Is that like the Al Madrigal, Ali Wong?
0: Ali Wong was like the next group after the next group, but uh, yeah, yeah. Madrigal kind of was in my group, but he he didn't stay for long. Like he started after me, and then sort of very, in a very deservedly so, moved through. But I'm talking about like, like people like. uh, It's funny their haven't their careers don't mark them this way, but at the time we were like these guys are funny and they're on top of it. But like you know, like Brent Weinbach. Moshe Kasher, I mean, Moshe Kasher is doing great, but yeah. like, uh, you know, these are, uh, Louis Katz, I'm just trying to think of people who can, you know, but then, and then Ali Wong and these people where it's like, they started out of the gate going, oh, I'm going to make it, and I've also got the internet on lock, so I've already got a following, so you need people like Nico Santos, who are like, who's f- selling out the punchline, even though he's emceeing, like, you know, it's like he's, he, doesn't, he knows he can't headline, so he's selling out the punchline on a Monday just to emcee, and now he's on, you know, he's on TV.
1: Yeah, and, and I think this is instructive, because there's a lot of people who are, you know, slogging for 10 years and think that it's over, mm-hmm. and you had kind of a turning point, Um uh, bell curve yeah can you take me to that I mean were there points before the bell curve hit that you were thinking this is over I should quit yeah
0: yeah it was a it was a pretty recurring joke amongst my friends that like oh come on I was talking about quitting again yeah. <laughs> like it was a every I would say every six months or so I would really get to like a pain point of like ah, like some show would happen or I would not get a thing or I would just feel like I wasn't Developing or my material, like you as a comic, it's hard to be on stage doing jokes you know suck. And it doesn't mean the audience doesn't laugh at them, but you just know they're not doing it. They're not going to do anything other than be laughed at in this room. They're not going to propel you out of the room into other places. And also, when you know you've been seen by the same people over and over again, like the those those Montreal auditions come through. And they've seen you four or five times, and you just go, I don't know what I could do to get these people to go to nights tonight, you know, or Comedy Central and those things. And plus, living in the Bay Area, in LA, those auditions are every night. In the Bay Area, there's the comedy. There would be like a once a year Comedy Central audition for something, and then a once a year Montreal audition for something, like to go to Montreal. But there wasn't like we were, so we would all get focused on those two nights. And if you didn't make it, that kind of was the rest of your year. Yeah. Yeah
1: so bell curve mm-hmm. um you came up with this idea um i it's was a one-man show i was in a
0: pit of like i think i want to quit because i come back from this gig i did in, in uh, japan that didn't like a series of gigs in japan i was like is this what i do for a living just a series of for performing for board troops and i was like i that wasn't the time i did so I go i go i think I gotta, quit. <laughs> I gotta quit took some time off and then slowly like realized okay what would i do i want to perform but i feel like i'm performing in comedy clubs isn't there's something i'm not able to translate with what i'm doing now i also had this feeling of like wanting to do more like like watching the daily show and be like i want to do like that you know something where i can like play clips and talk about news articles and not have to get to the punch on every 15 seconds and that was the bell curve. that was the, what I sort of just started to collect all these news articles and things about racism. The internet at that point 2007 was starting to be a place where like you could you could you were quickly following news stories and that all sort of became the first night of the bell curve a, a beautiful mess. What
1: were you thinking before that first show? I mean, were you wondering if anybody was gonna show up? Were you wondering what the response was going to be or, or maybe on the other end were you like this is tight? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, blow everyone away, and I'm gonna own the world.
0: No, I think I thought I'd put the cart before the horse is what happened. Because uh, I, we got posters. I'd never done that before. I hired a friend of mine to make posters. My friend Bruce Packman produced it. Uh, we got the venue, the 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 Shelton Theater. Matt Shelton was very nice to me. He gave me the Thursday night because nobody was using it, and let me pay out of the receipts. We did the gimmick of bring a friend of a different race coming two for one. It sold out really quickly. Like, like, there was a line out the door. And so I had done all the, like, marketing work and wrote a press release and, like, described the show in the press release even though the show was still not really together. And then sort of stood on stage with, like, you know, 16 pieces of paper laid out before me with a Sharpie marker just, like, you know. Don Imus, <laughs> you, know, so, you know, like Rosie O'Donnell on the View, you know, sort of like. And so, what would happen is like I would be backstage minutes before the show started. We actually had a band open for me because I thought I'm not going to be able to fill an hour, so we need a band. And the first night I did like 90 minutes or something.
1: Who was the band?
0: Uh, was, uh, what was the band? It wasn't really a band. It was a It was a friend of mine's boyfriend who put basically put a band together for the thing. And so it was like a very funk like neo soul band yeah yeah uh paul i'm screwing up your name paul i don't remember your last name but yeah so they and it was a great band and so at some point i was like i can't follow them <laughs> like, you know like this band is too good uh but it was very like black it felt good it was like a black neo soul Mixed race band that felt like it really hung with the sh- what the show was going to be about, but yeah, I would be they'd be on and I'd be like back like like writing things down and trying to put, get a set list together and 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 the first night I had this PowerPoint thing and I'd never really done PowerPoint before, so the first night the power I couldn't figure out how to get the PowerPoint to work. So M- Melissa, my wife now my wife then my girlfriend sat with the projector on her lap because we hadn't figured out where to put the projector. There's a hot projector sitting on her lap, burning her thighs for an hour and a half wow the powerpoint is like we couldn't get we didn't know how to make it out of. it was like the presenter tools were on stage so the thing i'm supposed to see that you're not supposed to see and i'm like pointing if you could see right here and but it people liked it you know like it, it, i think the rawness this has been the theory, the thing in my whole career the raw people appreciate the rawness and because it, it felt very topical and i think people knew that this was like sort of just a uh, like nobody knew what they were getting into and so when when it was over i felt like that's some of the best work I've ever done, and it's a mess. <laughs> like we got to we got to figure this out. So every month, it was once a month for four months. And we figured every month, I sort of kept sort of trying to figure it out.
1: You're describing this to me, by the way, and I'm looking down at the mixer. Yeah, this is my like. El- I think third time on this mixer oh, okay. right. and I'm just panicking about the levels. <laughs> so it's not on my lap. It's not burning my legs. No, no. But, but I, it's I the know same. the feeling. It's, yeah, there's
0: the feeling of like, this is fun. I hope this is, I'm doing this right. And I hope, oops, I broke that. I hope the, I hope that's okay. Oh, uh, I hope my wife doesn't burn. Yeah, you're just sort of like, but once I was on stage, you sort of like, the way I would describe it, because I used to teach solo performance. Before that, I used to teach solo performance. That you, when you do something the first time, it's like you're at the top of a hill. And you, gotta get, you just got to get to the bottom of the hill. <laughs> you yeah. just got to get to the, like, you know. And you can't think about finesse that first time. You just got to get to the bottom of the hill. And then the more you do it, the more you can start thinking about, like, how you want to get to the bottom of the hill. So the first time it was just, like, you know, sort of sort of ass overhead falling down the hill and hoping that that was entertaining people. And it did. I mean, because we kept doing it and it kept selling out, you know. I mean, we're talk, again, we're talking about 60, 70-seat theaters, but... At the time, that I didn't felt think, big though. I'm you know, betting it's, that felt honestly. When I go into places now, and it's if a place is full, I don't care how big it is. I'm like, this is great. Like I st- like I said, I'm still that guy. Like you know, I'm still you know happy to. I'm going to Bloomington, Indiana, and we're doing a Tuesday because I'm getting ready to do a to tape a comedy special. It's 184 people. I'm like, yay! Like this is there's. I'm just happy that people show up. You know. Uh,
1: well, I, I I looked in the Chronicle um, before you came in, and <laughs> and honestly. Like, there was no mention of you from 97 to about 2006. There was one Siskel and Negro <laughs> uh,
0: little, I think Cobbs took out an no, ad. That's like you and Kevin, That's Avery and Kevin Avery on Yeah. Denzel yeah. Washington yeah.
1: podcast on hiatus or done?
0: Uh, it's 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 on hiatus the way that like Rage Against the Machine is on hiatus. Like, yeah. we'll we'll probably get back. To, you know, we still want to do it. We still owe the people like at least uh, we owe like two more reviews. So, so
1: there'll be like a rock the bells, and yes. you'll come back for a yes. one off we'll at come Coachella. Back for, yeah,
0: when they do the big podcast festival in fifteen years, yeah. we'll be on that. Yeah, it's Kevin is. I mean, the great thing is that Kevin's career is moving along well too. He writes for uh, Jim Jeffrey's show now. Uh, so it's just, and we live in different cities just because we're busy, not because yeah. we don't want to do it. Yeah.
1: Well, that was your first mention in the Chronicle. This um, Negro. Negro. Yeah. Uh,
0: which one were you? We <laughs> <laughs> do people ask. Me? <laughs> we, people used to ask us all the time, and our first answer was like, not, neither one of us is. We're just, but then it became clear just through our nature with each other that I was Negro, which I was happy. I'm always happy to be Negro. <laughs> right. Negro's one of my favorite words. I use it in my last comedy special.
1: Well, I like I said, 2006, 2007, suddenly. I think we wrote a feature about you like every seventh day. I mean, it seemed like all of a sudden we discovered Kamau Bell.
0: I was happy to be thought of. Like, because we, as, because going back to like when I first moved into town, we, press was so scarce for comics in this town, like for comics who were living in the town. Every now and again, somebody would get the article that was like, this comic is. We like sort of like they were being knighted. This comic's about to break through. They're having meetings in L.A., and that's all it would say. He, yeah. And soon he's going to move down there and break. And blah, 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 you know, but that was very rare. And so when I started, I, and I said this to my wife when I started to get that press, I was like, "Huh?" And I was like, "Oh, I'm on." The, like the th- way I took it is like I didn't give the press a reason to write about me before that. Like the San Francisco press is not going to necessarily. They're doing a better job now, but they weren't going to write about you just because you were funny. And there wasn't enough of a scene in the comedy scene that they were coming out to the clubs a lot to see who the new people are. It's not New York does that a lot more um, And San Francisco and the Bay Area is are doing that now. But I realized, oh, I'm giving them something to talk about, and well, that I, was like that became the thing that I was aware of. I can't just say, "Come out I'm doing a show." There's got to be something happening.
1: I remember it was 2008. Um, I was working in date book, but I kind of was more of a general assignment type reporter. And I remember um, Obama became president, and we wanted to do a story on. I think. Whether or not, or how you would do uh, uh, impression of Im- Obama, mm-hmm. and Rehan harmancy and I mm-hmm. were splitting up who we were going to interview. But yeah. your name came up quickly because <laughs> you're like, oh, he's the political <laughs> he's guy. the black political guy. Yeah. yeah, no, I, sp- I, I I don't think it was just because you were black. I think it was you know he's the political guy. He's yeah. done the bell curve. And I remember we split it up, mm-hmm. and um, she interviewed you. And I interviewed Rich Little. Ah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's it was so a funny. different experience. <laughs> that, it was yeah. a great interview. I like I'm called sh- some I, I mean, I thought I'm not gonna get Rich Little. Yeah. You know, I don't even know how to get him. He's not on the internet. Yeah. He goes email. I, I sent one email like to a website that had his name on yeah. it. And like twenty minutes later I was talking to Rich Little and he <laughs> gave a great interview about it. That's funny. Uh, uh, he did not do an Obama impression, by the way. He skipped it, he skipped <laughs> he skipped. he, skipped he, he, he waited. Yeah. He's like,
0: I'll be back again. And eight years yeah. later, he's back. Yeah, I, I remember that interview with Ray Han because that was the first time I felt like I was sat down. Maybe I think maybe I would like, the it's first for the Chronicle especially, the first time I felt like I'm being sat down not to talk about the show I was doing, but just yeah. as a person who has thoughts. And it felt very like, oh, this is different. This is, yeah, I remember that we sat. I think We was here, I'm pretty sure. We sat at a table and I felt very much like, I, I got to do my A game. Yeah. And then the day, I think it came out like the day after the election or something, like it was in a paper that was like a big paper. This yeah. is the pink section, the which pink is, section. Um, yes. I,
1: I grew up in... The Bay Area, the yeah. pink section and the sporting green. There's something special because of the tinted pages. Yes,
0: yes. Which as an as a as a transplant, I never quite understood why, but I was like, I'll just go with it. We don't either. Like yeah. we don't know why the section's pink, but
1: there's been a couple times where they've made it white, yeah. and then people, and people freak just, out. Yeah, like you can't do that. You take away the pink section, you take away the sporting green, or you remove like Garfield. Yes, and, and <laughs> that's how you kill the Chronicle. That's funny. Um, those, yeah. will,
0: those will be here like after the nuclear apocalypse.
1: Well, I I talked to you, I remember last year I was saying you seem to say yes to everything, and it surprised me because you don't have to, you know. But this playlist um, event with the symphony, that just seems awesome. Yeah. Um, And I I wanted to get your story of how this came to you, and then talk a little bit about the songs that you picked. Um, It's January uh january 19th at mm-hmm. the paramount mm-hmm. you and the symphony jazz mafia has helped arrange these um tracks yeah. and how ha- did it come to you
0: well it's funny you say i i, I did go through a, too many yeses and so now like all my podcasts are currently on hiatus because i'm like i like i'm starting to like, <laughs> like, like i would I, I busy people are like you're busy and so i, I realized i was spreading myself thank you for been. coming here by the way i i brought
1: peanut I, m&m's I peanut you?
0: m&m's that's i it's in my uh, in my rider apparently yes i, I
1: feel like it's um when people come here yeah. I mean, first of all i want them to tell i want you to go to like Hari and go yeah this place is oh, cool yeah, they yeah, brought yeah. me pnm's yeah i also feel like um more so than when I'm doing a story, this is a little bit like a play date. Yes, yes, you know. Yes. So it's like Kamal's coming over. Yeah. I want to get his favorite candy. <laughs> exactly. And, show and, him some and I will, and, this,
0: and then I will take these favorite candy. I'll eat one bag, and the other two bags will be split between my children. Awesome. And I'll be a great dad. So this yeah. is this is. And he will be like, you're giving them huge bags of peanut M's. <laughs> I interrupted you. I apologize. Uh, no, it's, this is how podcasts work. I yeah, know, yeah. I've, I've been here. Uh, so yeah, so I've started to say no to a lot more things. Or just be more, be more. Be more careful because everything is a bigger lift than you expect it's going to be. So that when I heard through one of the producers at, at, come out right now on my KLW podcast and radio show that he had a friend who wanted to talk to me about something to do with the symphony, and that's all I knew. And she said, uh, she said, "There's this idea of people giving the symphony songs, and then the symphony will play those songs in an evening." And I was just like, "Yeah." <laughs> like there was there. Were, I was like, "Well, let me sit down and first of all." How hard is this going to be? Is it, is it really the songs I like? Or is it well, like, what do I have to do? You know, and I met with Michael, the uh, symphony, uh, I'm going to say the word choreographer, but then, so the, the uh, composer, conductor, 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 yeah. We, we both got it wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I was like, <laughs> conductor. Well, I need more of this. Uh, maestro. Maestro Morgan. The maestro. There we go. Maestro. That's yeah. that's that's what I would have been really called. Uh, so I, stuck, I talked to the maestro. We went to coffee in Berkeley and he was just like, whatever songs you want, just send a lot of them. You know, uh, all you have to do is send them, you don't have to do any, he was very clear about you don't have to do anything else other than show up that night. Uh, now, I, I'm doing press forward because I want it to be successful, but really, it's the easiest thing I will do all year. Like, and, and at first, I sent him a couple songs, like trying to be sort of smart and cute, and then he was like, no, keep sending them, and then I just let the floodgates open and just sort of like... Whatever I could think, whatever songs that had meant a lot to me throughout my life, songs that meant to me a lot in that moment. I tried to be as genre-wide as I could, just to be like, who knows what they will do with this song, or maybe this will be the song that sings something else. I tried to sort of not be embarrassed about songs I liked, because I think that can get you into like, like I would just be like, I just like King Crimson, you know, something <laughs> that sounds smart. <laughs> yeah. But uh, So I tried to just be like, no, I happen to... uh like this song uh you know the you know and and also i tried to think of like big picture like what songs that i like to represent on a thing like this because maybe it'll never happen again uh what songs would would my mother be happy to hear she's actually coming into town for it i didn't know the time what songs would my kids know that i like that they would also have a relationship to so i really thought it could it's so it's not just specifically my favorite songs but it's songs that are that are important to my life that if you like basically like if if the aliens land and go tell me the songs that mean something to you that you'd want to sort of represent not just the stuff that was personally personally meaningful to you but stuff that has been meaningful to you and people in your life
1: were you looking and i looked at a couple of these songs kind of have a soaring quality were there some restrictions that you had i mean i i'm assuming that you know, there are some songs that just aren't going to yeah. fit into Maestro Morgan's... It's hard
0: to redo a, a Public Enemy song with the symphony. Yeah, uh, that'd be cool, though. It would be cool. And I think that... I think he... The one thing he said is, like, there's things that you think would lend themselves to a symphony. So that was one instruction he gave me. Because he's like, we can't... There's things we can't pull off. And I, I respected that. So... I think they picked the things that sort of lend themselves to a symphony. I did put some hip hop songs in there. We didn't get any in there cuz I think that hip hop is probably harder to pull off in this format. <laughs> but I also think that they are you know, I feel like this is like we're all learning together. So I think what they pull off this time will make them, you know, better for the next time and make them more adventurous. So, but I also think that they by picking Living Colors' Pride, that's that's like if there was, there was a song, I was like, "Please do this one." And I tried to not do that because I don't want pressure on. But that was when I was like, "Well, that's good enough for me." <laughs> like that that song is about me, you know. So, I think that yeah, know, there was definitely like I think there was some Run the Jewel songs I suggested, maybe even a Kendrick. I think it was a Kendrick song, just to sort of like I was really trying to be sort of genre agnostic, if that it makes any sense. Just to sort of like yeah. things that I like. So, so because I think it would be easy to sort of just go down one path and not and sort of then realize oh, this is not really representative in a wide way. So let's start with Living Color. Yes. Um, Read
1: your book, big fan. I actually brought our Living Color file out here with with all their photos. This is the old stuff. So the Chronicle has, we're standing in front of all the files from the Chronicle that go back to 1920s. Yeah, for
0: the people listening, I'm in literally every movie about a newspaper when they go to the basement. Like This, yeah. is, this, is, this is exactly what this looks like. Every movie where they go, I, I think I can look in the archives, we're in that room. I'm sure it's in the post. The... I actually,
1: I have You're. it's not a thing because you're so much bigger than I am, but, um, when I bring people down here, I always have someone come down with me, because it seems like such a serial killer move <laughs> to bring someone <laughs> down does, here. Does, yeah. um, Paula Poundstone was here, and I and I it was on a Sunday because I did oh. it right before her New Year's Eve show, so there was no one at the Chronicle. The building is empty, and I brought my wife. Oh, that's that's to good. just sit there to make sure that she knew I wasn't going to kill her. That's a, that's a good
0: move. You're you're um, thinking well.
1: I think about that too. like, yeah. like you know. So Marikar, my editor, came down here yes. uh, and took and some I footage. know her, so I felt like okay, so this is. Yeah, I mean, good.
0: I know you too, but it's just good see friendly faces yeah, yeah this is so this is like the early living color this is like maybe up through the vivid era because these are all with muz, Gillings, muz the bass yeah. player who left anything or... after um probably time's up mm-hmm. nine, like 95
1: to 96 and later it's mm-hmm. going to be in our digital archive okay. there might be a photo here no, but this is,
0: um, this is this is the era that i joined when i was like they're my favorite band so this is the stuff that like i would like i really resonate with like the time's up which is the it's is the song pride is off of time's up is still my favorite living color album and people if somebody told me that like i guess I just like that one the best and they go because you always like the first time you heard the thing like the yeah. first time you, and i was like oh so it's not that that's just empirically better um but yeah that was the album that really changed my musical life and my you know the me sitting here right now doing the work i do comes through that album like that album was like basically like in the middle of rap music exploding and sort of p- telling people, sort of for reasons, going, this is how Black people feel in this country. And I was like, sort of, kind of, but that is not really me. Living Color came out like, this is how we are Black and feel in this country. I was like, oh yeah, that's more me. Like yeah. so, for me, this is a, this band is in my DNA. And um, and when they first came out with the playlist, they didn't have Pride on there, and I suddenly was like, Vernon's gonna be pissed. I'm friends with Vernon Reed, the guitar player, because that's one of the it awesome is things. So about him. awesome. He's uh, just a he cool is, dude. He's um, this an incredibly cool dude who I feel like. It's one of those things, like, you know how Rollins, Henry Rollins, who I'm also a fan of, yeah, managed to sort of carve his way out of music into just being Henry Rollins? I feel like, and I think Rollins worked to do that, but I feel like Vernon could do that, too. And some of that is like, is that just because th- he just has a very active brain and is, has a lot of opinions? I think. He could, but I think people
1: would be more like, oh, "When are you going to bring out your guitar?" <laughs> like when Tom Morello did the Night Watchman yes, stuff, yes. everybody's like, "Well, make the whale sounds." You know, <laughs> <laughs> "When are you going to like a DJ?" Yeah, yeah Or when so. they do
0: Prophets of Rage, and they were like, "This is great." Where's Zach? <laughs> yeah.
1: So Living Color, and then from Living Color to Nina Simone.
0: Oh yeah, Nina Simone under we here have too.
1: Some Nina Simone. This was actually she played. A benefit, check this out. The Chronicle has a little handbill. She played in Oakland. Uh, she was the, the lead on a benefit, not a benefit, a, a tribute to Billie Holiday. Oh, wow. I think that
0: was in 93. This is 93. Did, you, funny, ever, did you, you ever get to see her?
1: I mean, she was still performing
0: w- one of up the, into
1: the 90s. One
0: of the great tragedies of my life that I still have bitterness over is I bought tickets to see Nina Simone at the Paramount in I don't know. It was right. It was towards the end, but it was like oh. you know. So we're talking about like maybe late nineties, like maybe early two thousands. I don't remember when she died, and it was around then. But and I had tickets. I was going to take my mom. This is where my mom was living here, so yeah, it had to be early two thousands. And I bought tickets, and I'm going to go see Nina Simone. I've never seen her before because Nina Simone, I hadn't, I didn't know who she was till I moved to the Bay Area. I moved here in ninety seven, and this woman. Uh, Gabrielle, we had, you know, worked, worked in one of those places where, like, everybody gets to play one CD of music, and then, they get, then it goes to the next person, and so she played Nina Simone, and you just hear, Alabama got me so upset, <laughs> <laughs> the Mississippi goddamn, you're like, what is this alien person, and so I, at first, I was scared of it, and then I loved it, and then I tried to go, I, I had tickets to see her, I had a gig opening at the Punch on that night for, like, $50, and I emailed the booker saying, can I get off this, which I... I was scared that if I asked to get off the gig, I would never get booked again, because this is that era yeah, of me. Yeah, And I was like, can I get off the gig? I just because Nina Simone, and I tried to explain who Nina Simone was, and my mom, and my mom's an old lady, and the booker never got back to me, and I went to the punchline instead. So oh. it's one of the great, that and, uh, and uh, Soundgarden are two of my great tragedies of bands that I love that I didn't see. So uh, So yeah, because I picked comedy over Nina Simone, which... I don't know how Nina would feel about that. Yeah, <laughs> I, now, I guess you, I kind of picked didn't my art. Pick you comedy, might comedy, you that. picked your career. I yeah. mean, it was a survival thing. Yeah, it was it just I I, I it, yeah, I mean, looking back now, you go, I could have just said I'm not doing it and they just would but I was in I don't want to go too far
1: into therapy. Bro, <laughs> but you made the right decision. Yeah, yeah. And now the Oakland Symphony at the Paramount That's... is going to that's Create some uh, Nina Simone for you. No, well so. that's
0: and I'm going to tell because I'm going to host the event, so they want me to tell talk between the songs, and so that's I'm going to tell that story that night. Just yeah. not oh not shoot,
1: th- I didn't mean to. I hope you held something back. Oh yeah, I'll I'll
0: I'll, I'll polish it up. It's still yeah, I'm yeah. still open micing it. I'll put some I'll make it funnier that night. But uh, yeah, so it's just like that's the yeah. So that's my Nina Simone is is certainly. When I thought about like, because a part of this list too is like things, songs that are important for the political moment that I feel like are important for the political moment, and Mississippi Goddamn should just you know if you know they should just somebody should just take like the way they do with like David Koresh and they put the metal the (laughs) Megadeth, that's what somebody somebody from some protest group Black Lives Matter or or, you know should just sort of show up with like a huge boombox just playing Mississippi Goddamn across street from the White House over and over again, or maybe I should do it instead of making (laughs) other people do stuff.
1: Well, there's, there's um, some surprises, not probably to people who know you pretty well, but um, Todd Rundgren.
0: Oh, yeah. that's That was one of those, it's like, at one point in my life, I saw Todd Rundgren in concert more than I'd seen, I'd seen any other artist, because my best friend in high school, one of my best friends in high school, Rob Nasseter, was a huge Todd Rundgren fan, and he was my music guy. He's the guy who introduced me to Live in Color. And so I would just go to him with concerts. Like, I saw Tom Petty. One of my first concerts I ever saw was Tom Petty, just because Rob was like, come see Tom Petty. I was like, okay. I didn't even know I knew who Tom Petty was until I was like, I know all these songs, you know? And so Todd Rundgren, I've probably seen him in my life six or seven times, which is a lot for a black guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot for a white guy, too. But, yeah, I've seen him. I mean, I even saw him without Rob because I just like Todd Rundgren, and that song is a very... Todd Rundgren's a guy who likes to play across genres a lot, and it's a very un Todd Rundgren. And in, in the song is "I Love My Life," which yeah. is a very like gospel-infused big band. I just felt like a symphony should be able to do that incredibly because it's a very big-sounding orchestrated song with a lot of singing. And they said they would have singers there, and it, and it also just you know, in the it's almost like if you're gonna do Mississippi, goddamn, you got to get people out of the hole yeah, <laughs> for yeah. that song. And "I Love My Life" is a song about like just sort of like. Basically, it's, it's positive mental attitude. It's 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 a uh, bad brains, but uh, Todd Rundgren style. Does
1: Does Todd Gunner- Rundgren know? I that don't know. You I, like he, him this I much? No, because I because I, I think he might
0: come to the <laughs> concert. I mean, he may have I, nothing to do. It, funny, I met him once, but not in a fan way. Like years. Yeah. Like this is back to Chicago, so we're talking about like ninety five. Like ninety five or so, ninety six. Like at a Starbucks, or no DMV. I, <laughs> no, I met Todd Runger. It's funny now you're now you're reminding me of a story I should tell. I yeah. met him uh, at a store I worked at in Chicago when I was like twenty one, twenty two. It was a and the store was a it was a, called Condoms Now. It was a condom <laughs> store back because it was the nineties. You know, left eye, all that stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of condom stores there was Condom Nation, Condoms Now. So a store that sold condoms and then like T shirts of like pigs having sex that said making bacon. Like it was yeah. that kind of story. From like...
1: Karate Kid, by the way. <laughs> Freddie, I don't know if you're a Karate Kid fan. I am a Karate Kid fan. Freddie, Oh, that's I, this funny. is the worst
0: detour ever. But no, like you said, podcasting.
1: Yeah, Freddie on the Karate Kid. Uh, uh Daniel's friend. Yeah. had a making bacon. That's t-shirt. so
0: funny. I, I'm a big Karate Kid fan. Yeah. I'm sad that I did not know that because we sold that T-shirt uh, and lots of T-shirts. Worse but than. But not that. to Todd Rundgren. Not no. So Todd Rundgren came in there because he was looking to buy like a bunch of like there was like condoms in like the like the. Hanukkah gelt like the chocolate coins but they have condoms that are in sort of like chocolate like that are wrapped in like you know uh, shiny paper gold and green and all the different colors and he needed a bunch of them for his concert like two nights later that I was already going to and so he walked in and I recognized him right away and he was you know Todd was not famous like that and I said to him, and he walked around. He's looking at stuff. I go, I'm. To-. I go, I go. You're Todd Rundgren, and I'm not. That was my clever way of saying something to him. And he went, He laughed slightly, laughed, and then um, bought his condoms. And I saw him two nights later, and he gave me like the thumbs up or something. Oh, yeah. That's my memory of it. Okay. That he's that he looked at me and recognized. Got a me. little head nod to the guy. Head who sold him the. Yeah, I mean, condoms. I was again. I was a black guy Todd Rundgren concert, so he probably remembered me. Uh, <laughs> six foot. Yeah, six five. foot four black <laughs> dude. Yeah, who, who sat in the front because that's what I used to do. So you know, yeah. it was not hard to spot. But yeah, so that's my. I don't know that I. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know that he does. I'm. Yeah, I don't know. I. am always just so shocked by people who do know who I am. But yeah, I should probably. Maybe I should tweet at Todd Runner and go. I. I'm. A, anyway, I'm a fan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, soaring. That's a soaring one. The other one that I saw that was like, this is perfect. Is Tears for Fears. Ah. Uh, uh, I mean, that's. <laughs> yeah. I, I immediately saw that, and with the format. Yeah. That seemed perfect. Are you a huge Tears for Fears fan, or did you just say sowing the seeds of love? I want to hear Maestro Morgan.
0: I'm an knock old that school, out. original, first generation Tears for Fears fan, nice. like uh, Songs from the Big Chair, or I think that's what that song album's called, as I said that I'm going to get their album wrong. But anyway, from back in the 80s, like I remember listening to the, like when you just listen to the radio in the, in the car with your parents and you're sitting in the back seat and the radio played, pop, like there wasn't all the sort of different, things weren't really segregated the way they are now in the same way. I guess they yeah. were, but there was like, you could hear like an R&B song and a Tears for Fear song. And I, th- I always responded to them. I have no idea why. I was always like, something about the way that he sings. I was just like, this is really, I, this really hits me. And I'm like, at that point, like a middle schooler or something. And so I've always been a Tears for Fears fan. And then when that song came out in like the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, that song was on MTV all the time. I've seen that video a million times. The video, times. Yeah, the I video is very, you know, it's so, I mean, he could be sued by the Beatles for that song. Because <laughs> like, it's so, like, it's not hiding its Beatles influences at all. Uh, even the video looks like the Beatles did it. So, But I love that song. And it was a popular radio hit. And it's just been a song that has stuck with me ever since. Because there's something about it. Like, I always wanted to close, like, a comedy special. Or I used to do this with the bell curve, like, at the end of, like, talking about something really. Like, ah, yeah. Good night. Sowing the seeds <laughs> of love. Because... <laughs> Ultimately, that's what I'm trying to do, even though I go about it in a way that people don't always agree with me. But no, I'm a huge, that was not picked. That's the other thing. This was not picked ironically. None of these songs are sort of like cute. They're just like, I like these songs. Yeah,
1: You talked about songs from the big chair. I remember people, young people aren't going to understand this, but, um, you know, because you can just download the one song you want. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember going into like Sam Goody or Tower Records and thinking like, this song's got a lot of hits on it. This album's yeah. got a lot of hits on it. Yeah, uh, I remember. I almost bought like an Eric Carmen record once, just because uh, I'm like, this has like six <laughs> top forty hits on it. I have to buy I gotta, it. God, this is,
0: this, is, I guess, this is such a good deal. I get all these hits. Yeah, <laughs> yes. There was a
1: Journey album that on CD that like everybody had in my dorm oh, because it just funny. had too many hits. You couldn't.
0: You get couldn't away avoid from it. And, no, yeah, yeah, things were different back then, kids. You, you bought the. Uh, somebody, I saw someone on Twitter recently. I was looking, uh, you know, I stumbled around Twitter, and someone's like, I can't wait to buy that movie on DVD. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Grandpa, don't, we don't do that anymore. Well, I, I
1: wanted to uh, uh, close with Prince. Um, oh, yes. And I wanted to show you... Um, these are mostly Steve Ringman photos, but we had a we had a photographer here oh, wow. named Steve Ringman who was really revolutionary to concerts. Um, if you go before Steve Ringman, turn that around. I think that's who shot it. Um, oh, he yes. actually is shooting up in Seattle now. He's still working. And before Steve Ringman, our concert photos are all kind of blurry, and you go <laughs> in and shoot the first <laughs> song and get in, get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hello, he, Cleveland. He, you know this would not uh, we're looking at photos of prince on the purple rain tour and, yeah and, uh, like yeah
0: that's that's a that's a that's a that, that's a dangerous photo for back then that is a sexual it's, it's, photo it's right prince there. licking the guitar in the way that you your your grandmother would not want to see him lick a guitar
1: by the time that got in the newspaper in 1985 yeah, yeah yeah you would not see he it was, that clearly yeah. so i almost feel like he was shooting it knowing that at some point in the future that people would you know, want to look at them again? Yeah, no, there was there was no way you could reproduce this in the chronicles. So
0: yeah, these look like they were they look like photos his record company would want. Like they, they oops, they look like a yeah. These are not these are not like your sort of typical boring. Yeah, they look like they look posed. on
1: you so you picked. There's a couple of Prince songs. It looks like a, yeah. a in in the spirit of it's Prince a, 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 a two song medley. Yeah, the way he would probably play them because yeah. like I don't play the whole song. Are you yeah. are, how? big of a Prince fan are you and you know
0: it's like I'm not There's certainly bigger Prince fans I mean Prince is another person that I almost went to see when he was in Oakland and so now this is maybe this is the thing this is about I want to hear songs live Uh, that I bands I never saw uh I, I was just a like I was 84 Purple Rain comes out so I'm 11 and 84 was dominated by I think three that era of America was dominated by three musicians bruce springsteen michael jackson and prince like, just yeah. like that you had to, you kind of had to pick a team uh i certainly was team michael jackson back then because prince was scary you know but purple rain is one of those things like i saw the movie on vhs it is just a constant force in my life so as much as i don't have like you know and i've, I've listened to a lot of the other stuff but that album to me it just stays with me it just it just it, it is exactly what it is it's one of the great uh albums of all time and talk about now with a lot of hits on it. It's like nine songs long, and they've all been played on the radio at some point. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, you know. So maybe not that one where it sounds like sex is happening. Computer blue, but <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah. So the, it's so that's on the playlist. That's on the playlist. So what, what it's, take, the it's take me with you, which is uh, the song where he him, him and Apollonia go to the waters of Lake Minnetonka, uh-huh. uh, and where I became a man watching that scene and uh and so that song really i was playing the song a lot around the time i met my wife i think before i met my wife, like it was just a song that i liked i get caught in loops with songs like where yeah. I, just, I listen to the same song over and over again and then uh let's get crazy is just a great like does it does everything a prince song is supposed to do like that's the height of his powers is let's get let's go crazy so that's that's that they're doing a medley of that so again i just sent like i someone was like maybe i should just send one song by an artist i like but I was like no let me just send the songs that are really hitting me right now yeah
1: did you float Darling Nicky to Meister Morgan <laughs> just to see what he would do? Or maybe if you float Darling Nicky and then yes. you get the song you want? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, I, did, I, I I have to go back and look at the email and see what all I sent, which I keep thinking, like, I should do that at some point because it was, like, sort of, like, I, my memory is of that. I sent a few, then I sent a few more, and then I just was like, and at some point he was like, I think we got it. Because like, yeah. he really could – you know because for me even looking at this playlist is about where I was at the time when I sent the playlist like there would be other there'd probably be other songs in there now if I was to sit down and go what songs are here? like some of the songs would be eternal like I'm never gonna not put uh you know Nina Simone on there there's no matter what my mood is, you're gonna get those Nina Simone songs but like I think I was in a real prince period at that point maybe it was I don't think was am trying to die. but anyway I was in you know, a I don't know that Prince would always be in that list but it it was at that point
1: cool. So January nineteenth. January nineteenth. Um, tickets are going fast. And tickets are I going fast. I know people fast. say that,
0: but they're actually going fast.
1: This podcast will be out tomorrow on a Thursday. So uh, um, get them, everybody. Get get your tickets. Um, Paramount.
0: Paramount Theater in down beautiful downtown Oakland. <laughs> More beautiful every day. <laughs> which you know, for for better or worst.
1: Yeah, and then uh, you got other stuff coming up here at The Punchline. I'm at The Punchline
0: on, uh, yeah, January 29th and 30th before I go to New York to shoot my next comedy special. And, uh, yeah, so, and then, you know, I'm in... I'm in Berkeley in the spring uh, at the at doing a thing for the, I think at the Zellerbach, but yeah. So I'm doing some st- I'd be which will probably be the new material I'm working on for, for whatever the next hour is.
1: Yeah, and on C- CNN season and three. On, yes, of oh yeah, United also Shades.
0: season three of United Shades of America, where I'm in the middle of editing. I was sending out frustrated emails this morning, like why? Like the same thing we were talking about earlier. I don't understand why we can't do it the way that I want to do it. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, still in the struggle, everybody. But season three, United Shades, I'm. Super excited about once we get it in the right shape.
1: W, come out, Bell. Thank you for taking Bart into the Chronicle Uh, It's it's fun to do. It's fun taking the time. Taking the time, and uh,
0: I'm taking the M and Ms. Take the M and Ms. This is the sound of me taking the M and Ms. Everybody, I was going to leave them, but then I realized my daughter will think my daughters will think I'm a hero. No, I I got those
1: for you. When the next person comes in, I'll get them Snickers or whatever. (laughs) A little of a stalker thing going on with my my candy. That's understand.
0: The internet is great for that. What is the candy they like? Yeah. All right. Thank you, sir.
1: The big event. Thank you for listening. W. Kamau Bell. Thank you. You've been listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to everyone who's been listening. We've been getting a really great response to these podcasts. If you're enjoying them, please rate and review on iTunes or other streaming services. Our executive producer is Fernando Diaz, and editor-in-chief is Audrey Cooper. Theme music is The Tide Will Rise by The Sunset Shipwrecks. If you like what you heard, listen to more Chronicle podcasts at sfchronicle.com backslash podcasts with an S or subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and other streaming services. Read more San Francisco Chronicle stories and subscribe at www.sfchronicle.com.